Hello, everybody, and welcome to a uh, lost episode, if you will, of Road to Infinity War. Of course, Infinity War has already happened. We've seen it. We reviewed it. This is actually for Black Panther, because I said in all 17 episodes leading up to Infinity War movie, Black Panther came out too late. We can't do anything with it. We've already rated them. Black Panther came out too late. It's, it can't be ranked. It's, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. It's... It's, it was too late, okay? So, this is going to come out when the movie is coming out on Blu-ray this week. So, here we go with a little look back on Black Panther in the same style that we look back on all the other movies, like getting ready for Infinity War, even though we already know what happens and, and he he disappears. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel right. Um, so sorry, if you haven't watched Infinity War, then I'm not sure why you're looking at this. Uh, should have. I mean, it's been a few weeks. You could have gone to the movie. I don't really have anything for you. Um, but uh, we'll start off with Black Panther congratulating it because as of uh, the, near the end of its run, because um, it will probably stay in theaters through 2021. Um, uh, the, <laughs> oh my God! It, it's made a box office of worldwide over 1.3 billion dollars. Uh, which is incredible because looking at its budget and its marketing, this movie made over a billion dollars, cool, clear cash money profit from uh, like I don't know if that's ever happened where a movie in its initial theatrical run worldwide has made a billion dollars of pure profit. So that that means you take the budget, you take the marketing budget and, and distribution and you minus that from the box office and you still have a billion dollars. I know Avengers didn't do that. I know Avatar didn't do that. I don't think Titanic did that in its original run, but it's really hard to get numbers now because a lot of the numbers now are compounded. So I couldn't really get any proof, but I mean, at least within the last 20 years, it hasn't happened. And, you know, without invoking a, a true tragedy, uh, it hasn't happened. So... Good job to Ryan Coogler. Um, yeah. Not only did you make me care about Rocky again, but you made Black Black Panther is really the most oddball of all of the the Marvel superheroes. I put him on the same par as Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man. Like he's not super popular. A lot of people don't know him, and there's nothing wrong with his character. But the the, the this movie did way better than the comics ever did at making him something that everyone could like. Just like yeah. Just like um, Ant-Man, just like uh, with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, just all three of those directors and writers, of course Ant-Man is a little bit mixed up because of all the different writers it had, but between James Gunn and Ryan Coogler, you guys are the, you you two and John Favreau are the three most important people in the MCU, I believe, personally. And then yeah. the Russos and Joss Whedon are honorable mentions. Um, but good job, Ryan Coogler and the whole cast. Which let's let's jump into the cast real quick because it's it's pretty much a brand new cast of, of people. Uh, there's only a couple of returning people from Civil War, uh, and, and it's really great. Let me go ahead and name the few that returned from Civil War slash other movies. Um, Andy Serkis comes back as Ulysses Claw. Awesome, awesome. He just played a really great, just like. Just really great, bam, I'm the villain. But without having to be the main villain. He didn't have to be too deep, but he was just crazy enough to be fun and entertaining. Yeah. Um, we, and of it, course, it, he was a whole lot... The, the the theatrical version is a whole lot more interesting than the comic book version ever was. And, and it's neat because we got to see the claw, the, the, the actual robot arm, hand, shooter, gun thing. Um, so that yes. was neat. And we first saw this origin of him in uh, Age of Ultron. We knew that he had busted into Wakanda at one point in time, stolen a bunch of vibranium. And um, then we got to uh, see Ultron rip his damn arm off. <laughs> Which is why he replaces it with a really futuristic claw. Slash gun. Slash arm. It's really cool. I really enjoyed that. Uh, of course, we also get from Civil War. We have Martin Freeman and Chadwick Boseman coming back as well. Martin Freeman as Everett K. Ross, token, token, white guy there with Andy Serkis, and uh, Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther. Of course, he became the Black Panther in Civil War when his father, who was the um, King and Black Panther, uh, was killed um, by the fake Winter Soldier, uh, which sparked all of Civil War. Uh, but Chadwick Boseman comes back to become King and Black Panther. Of Wakanda, which 
He's a good choice. Martin Freeman was a damn good choice, and I really enjoyed Martin Freeman in this movie more than Civil War. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mostly because in Civil War, he was toting a line of government official, and he wasn't going to help anybody. He was. I, I don't agree with Iron Man's side of it, so the fact that Martin Freeman was on Iron Man's side of it, I didn't like him, just associated with him. But on this in this movie, he tended to be like, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to help Wakanda. And, and, and he does. <laughs> yeah, and he had a really cool scene. He got a real heroic moment from from uh, from his character Everett Ross. Uh, really cool. Of course, they make the reference to uh, you know another broken white boy for us to fix because Winter Soldier's already there, getting his noggin looked at. Um, but let's start going down the line of the actors and characters we haven't seen before in the MCU. Uh, Michael B. Jordan as Eric Killmonger, the main villain of the movie. Of course, he teams up with Ulysses Claw until he doesn't need him anymore. And then he offs him. And Michael B. Jordan was phenomenal. Oh, I loved him in this movie. He did a really good job in Creed. I, 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 his acting chops are, are bar none. And the way that he portrayed Killmonger uh, in, in this flick was... I was really entertaining. I liked the the angst and the anger that uh, he brought to the character, um, I, and I do like the way that they changed the storyline for him for the movie because it made a whole lot more sense than what the uh, comic book version is. Yeah, and I especially liked the way his his character reminded me of Loki a whole lot. Like they could have kept his character around if they wanted to, and 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 and, and you know uh, really drained him of all entertainment, uh, which which would have been unfortunate. I'm glad they kind of killed him off because they didn't really sully him or have to have him turn into a hero like they did with Loki. Him and Loki are very comparable. Jealousy fuels their rage of wanting to be the leader and the king and do whatever they wanted to. Because that original Loki wanted to rule with power, not like the Loki from Thor Ragnarok, which wanted to sit around and eat grapes and watch plays about himself. So, like, OG Thor Loki and Eric Killmonger are very much similar characters. That's probably why he is referenced as the best villain since Loki, which I don't know if I agree with that. I think all of Phase 3 got great villains. So, you know, between the Grandmaster and Hela, the first female villain, um, and you got, uh, well, Civil War kind of pick your villain kind of situations. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Spider-Man with the Vulture, Doctor Strange. Uh, I just, I think... I don't know. I kind of like all the villains of Phase 3, so it's really hard for me to pick which is my favorite since Loki, if I have to do that kind of game. Um, But, of course, uh, staying in the Disneyverse, Lupita Nyong'o, which I can't pronounce her name, uh, but I know she plays Miles Kanata in uh, Star Wars Force Awakens, and maybe in Solo. I'm not sure. Who knows? No one I think that's her in Solo. Is that her? Maybe. Who knows? No one's going to see that movie, so no one will ever find out. Um, but she uh, <laughs> she is in this movie, and she's great. Of course, she plays uh, Nakia. Uh, she is a uh, love interest for Black Panther. Then we get um, Danae Guerrera. I believe that's her name. I've always just called her Michonne, because that's the character she plays in The Walking Dead. The badass of Walking Dead, and really, most people's pick to, to be the star of that show, even though it looks like with a lot of Marvel interference, she'll probably leave that damn show. She plays Okoye. Uh, really, oh man, just an amazing, uh, amazing actress. Um, Okoye, isn't she uh, married or dating? Is it in Jobu? Yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah, it's the kid from um, uh, Get Out. Uh, uh, Wakabi. Is the one that she's in love with. Oh, Wakabi. That's his name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Daniel Kaluuya. Man, yeah. why, do, Great why, actor. Do we get, why do we always get the hard names to say? We we do. <laughs> we do. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I call these people by their character names because I'm not really good with actors' names anyway. And even then, I'm not really good with character names. Obviously, I didn't remember his name was Wakabi. Uh, but he's a great actor to be playing, you know, a role like this, which had importance. His role had plenty of importance in this movie because he had like kind of a heel turn on it, on on everything. He really turned everything on its head with his alliances and his thought process to everything, and the vengeance he wanted on uh, Ulysses Claw and how he didn't believe Black Panther was doing enough. That kind of thing. He was great. He's great in this in this role. Um, 
but Winston Duke. Ah, oh, Winston Duke is Mbaku. Winston Duke was Ooh. awesome. Yeah. Uh, he was one of my, I mean, he's one of my favorite characters. The character in the movie, just having that, okay, he's going to challenge. He's from that outskirts of the of the tribes. He's from that tribe that's kind of left alone and, and, you know, didn't want to follow the Black Panther. And he wants to take over the crown, and he lost. And you figured by the end of the movie, he'd be, you know, one of the foreboding, like, foreshadowed bad guys. But they've established him as a hero like they've established him as a good guy in this movie and that was very interesting because he's so strong and powerful he could have made a play for uh um the black panther crown he he actually was given the flower by his by black panther's family in this movie to uh to because they couldn't they thought black panther was dead and he was like no i saved him let me show you instead of taking the flower like his character got to be really awesome and really deep without actually having to go into... Like, he didn't have many lines, but his character wound up being one of the deepest of the movie. Oh, yeah, and what I like about his character was it definitely turned it on its head because when the movie first, you know, starts off, he's, like, all about wanting to challenge challenge Black Panther to reign. And here it is, his best friend uh, is the one that's going to pull the Judas on him. And I, I was impressed. I mean, it was kind of uh, my one question was, wh- why did they make it a gorilla tribe? Is that um, PC? But yeah, okay, I get it. I actually loved it. Uh, uh, I loved the gorillas put in the snow-capped mountains. Uh, which I heard some people say, why is there snow in Africa? I'm like, have you ever seen a fucking mountain in Africa? They're they're massive. They're very tall, and once you get to a certain atmosphere, there's snow regardless. Like hello, just... don't people know uh, Toto taught us everything about Africa? Kilimanjaro's got snow on top of it, people. Okay, but but <laughs> I mean, if you know that about it, you know how far that their family had to travel to get up there to talk to these people and just to find why not find a Black Panther uh, in in itself. Uh, but he was really awesome, uh, and I brought up mistakenly Najobu earlier um but Sterling K Brown played him Sterling K Brown a lot of people will know from This Is Us um he was also on uh I mean eh, Army Wives uh he was uh in um the American Crime Story TV series um yes. he was in a, he's he's been in a lot of stuff This Is Us was his big break um, and then, of course, this, you could say, is his biggest break, because this is awesome. He's in one of the most impactful and important movies in comic book movie history, uh, so that's pretty great. Uh, of course, we have uh, Angela Bassett and Forrest Whitaker, two award-winning just veterans, really anchoring down this group of already, everyone else is really established, too, but Forrest Whitaker and Angela Bassett may be biased uh, for different roles that they played, but they're kind of, in my eyes, they're legends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And to see her in Africa with that the the long white dreads at one point in the film, it was like, oh, if only she could have been Storm. Oh, man. Yep. Um, you know, I, I really for a long time, I thought Angela Bassett, she's she's been retired for a while. Right. But I looked in her IMDb. I knew she had the show 911 on the air. I knew that because I see advertisements for it all the time. I just haven't watched it. Um, and, uh, you know, she's Black Panther. But apparently she did American Horror Story a whole bunch, like a whole bunch. She did oh, oh, 50 episodes she... of American Horror Story. I didn't even know that was her. Yeah, she was the, the Marie Laveau character when they did the voodoo stuff. Yeah, I didn't even realize that was her because that was one of the only seasons I actually watched and paid attention to. And uh, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, another legend. Oh, he's done so much stuff over such a long time. Uh, you know, and we'll ignore that he did Battlefield Earth. Um, but uh, we had just seen him in the Disneyverse in Rogue One. He played a character that was actually in the, that Disney cartoon show, Clone Wars, that ran for about five seasons. And, you know, they kind of made him canon, and they were like, you know what, we're going to make this character canon, and we're going to give him a badass actor to play him. So Saul Guerrero was played by Forrest Whitaker, which was incredible. Uh, he didn't have a huge role in that, but he was great. And in this movie, I believe that they... Didn't they say that Zuri was like... I think it was uh, Ryan Coogler in an interview. He said Zuri was our Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And uh, that was really cool because Zuri knew a lot. He knew more than anyone else, uh, both physical and mystical, about everything that was going on around here. And, um, man, the guy the guy that got to play him in the, like, the early 
the the pre the prequel vi- backstory kind of scenes, the, the young Zuri yes. look just like him. And here's what's odd: his name is Denzel Whitaker, but he is no relation <laughs> yeah. to Force Whitaker at all. Yeah, he's but he Denzel looks Whitaker. Just he like looks- him. He looks like Forrest Whitaker, but that ain't his pappy. And uh, like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, um, that that is such a weird." Because you know, with T'Chaka, who we saw in Civil War, and he was in this in that ghost, like Lion King type visions. Uh, John Canny, his son actually did play him in those in those flashbacks. That was a damn word I was looking for. Fucking flashbacks. <laughs> uh, his his son uh, Tondua Kani played young T'Chaka. Um, also, side note, John Connie was the only one that knew the actual language these people were using. So that was really? kind of cool. He was the only one that knew, um, and so he had, like, translate for people, I guess. Um, even though they had translators on the, on the set, like, he immediately knew, um, what the, the, uh, what the translations were. Ooh, was it Swahili? Nope, it was Zosa. It's a different Zosa. language. Zosa, yeah. But that was cool because it's like, oh wow, so OG Black Panther is actually really from the uh, language they adapted this from. So that's cool. That, that's awesome. But one last cast member before I break off into the cast notes and behind the scenes stuff, uh, I want to bring up. Oh man, so Shuri. Pretty much everyone fell in love with Shuri. Uh, she was such an adorable character, and uh, she played Black Panther's little sister. But she was hilarious, and she was super smart. And of course, if you go to see Infinity War, spoiler alert, turn it off now. Blah blah blah. She's actually um, her mind works a little bit better than than uh, Ruffalo or or Tony. Um, she's almost just as smart, but her mind problem solves. I guess because maybe she's younger and she's had access to better technology for a long time. Um, but it's it's pretty cool how her mind works because she uh, realized that they could have made Vision a little more not better but like uh, they could have optimized the creation of Vision using the stone. Yeah, there's a scene where she says, "Why didn't you just do this with the stone?" And he was like, "Well, because we just didn't think of it." Which I mean, the situation they were just trying to get Vision made before Captain America came to stop them. So I mean, whatever they didn't have time to think about stuff. But it was neat to show her on the same mind power level as Doctor Strange, you know, Doctor Banner, Tony Stark, um, Peter Parker. So that's cool that they've got someone like this that can branch off and she could become a superhero easily. Oh yeah. Or she can be the guy at the computer, which is sometimes with all that you want. So <laughs> Um, but uh, you know, she had a couple of big hits this year. She was also in Ready Player One. But she's a great, she's a great actress. She's she's hitting it big this year. Black Panther, Ready Player One, and Infinity War. I'm not sure if you can take over the Nerdscape any more than she's done. Latita Wright. Latita Wright. Forgot to even mention her name. I just kept calling her Shuri. But um, yeah, let me break off into the uh, the cast info. I don't have a whole lot, but I've got a little bit of stuff I found. Um, Malcolm B. Jordan played the card of uh, of. Um, Heath Ledger, he kept he kept to himself while he was on the set. He uh, didn't want to interact with uh, the other actors. He wanted to make himself distant so that you know he would look that way when he was uh, in conflict or acting with the other actors, so that they wouldn't have some kind of aff- affection or affinity to him. Um, uh, he also um, him joining the cast means that all three of the top characters from Ryan Coogler's Creed, which was the you know, late sequel slash rebooting of the Rocky movies. Not really reboot, but like gave it new life for a new kind of trilogy. Um, but it means all the top three characters, top three actors, Michael B. Jordan here um, as Killmonger, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie and Thor Ragnarok, and Sylvester Stallone as Takar Ogard in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and 3. All three of those top actors came from Creed, and they're all in the MCU in top spots. That's cool. That's cool. Um, and uh, uh, just one more thing about Michael B. Jordan. Eric Killmonger is actually his third uh, character in uh, comic book movies. He's been all over the place. He was in Fox's Fantastic Four um, playing Johnny Storm, Human Torch. But he was also in Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox animated movie. He played uh, Cyborg. So 
The, kid, the kid's a damn nerd. I like him. I've always liked Michael B. Jordan, but especially after Creed in this movie, he's he's awesome. I really, I really hope that he does more animated stuff though, because uh, that's uh, that's something a lot of big actors kind of look down on. So that's cool that he did that. Um, but uh, uh, actually, speaking of Winston Duke, who I really loved, Lupita uh, Nyong'o, who's firmly in the Disney verse. Um, they played Nakia and Umbaku. Uh, they actually were both students at the same time at the Yale School of Drama. Um, Nyong'o graduated in 2012, Duke in 2013. They actually went and saw Avengers together in 2012 when it released, and they said that they wanted to be in a movie like that someday, and look at this shit. They wound up <laughs> being in Black Panther, and at least Winston Duke I saw in Infinity War. I'm not sure if Lupita Nyong'o's character was there in Wakanda ready for that fight or if she had left by then, but yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, Lupita Nyong'o also... Uh, uh, she was also, I keep mentioning that she was in the Star Wars movies and Black Panther, but she was also uh, the key queen of Katwe in The Jungle Book. Oh, yeah! Which I didn't even remember that. And I'm like, wow, she is really in Disney. Like, deep in Disney. Um, uh, so, uh, also, um, T'Challa, there was a few actors that had auditioned for the role of T'Challa at different points. Um, when they were first in development, they actually considered Anthony Mackie, um, uh, Demone Hansu, and Adewe Akinio Agbahe. I can't pronounce his damn names. But uh, they were all considered when they first started getting ready for Black Panther. Anthony <laughs> Mackie, of course, we saw he became Sam Wilson the Falcon. Um, uh, Hansu, Demon Hansu, he actually was Karath, the second in command to uh, Ronan the Accuser in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. And um, Adelaway, whatever, he played Curse in Thor Dark World. So, yes. they all wound up being in the MCU, even though they were all considered to be one of the top build characters in the MCU now, Black Panther. Um, uh, also, um, and I already mentioned. So all the awards that people have won, Angela Bassett, uh, Danielle Kaluuya, Lupita Nyong'o, and Forrest Whitaker, all Oscar winners and nominees. So that's awesome that they were anchoring this movie. Um, Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman, I believe, were both nominated as well. But uh, we'll just, we won't mention them like that. We'll just keep calling them the Tolkien white guys because that was just the best joke they could have did. Two Tolkien universe actors as your only white people. Crazy. <laughs> Um, uh, but anyway, behind the scenes, the creation of this movie, I want to get this in there real quick. That's the whole reason I decided to do this instead of like just skipping it. Cause it didn't just fit in our schedule of everything. Um, but I wanted to give the backstory to the making of this movie. Uh, in June 92, Wesley Snipes announced officially that he was going to make a film about Black Panther. He wanted to highlight the majesty of Africa, which he felt was poorly portrayed in Hollywood films, especially back then, saying, I think Black Panther spoke to me because he was noble, and he was the antithesis of the stereotypes presented and portrayed about Africans, African history, and the great kingdoms of Africa. He had begun work on the film by August that year. August. So a couple months later, he started to work on it. The next July, he planned out uh, to begin Black Panther after he did Demolition Man. Then he expressed he wanted to do sequels. Then we get to 94 and he enters talks with Columbia to portray Black Panther and to uh, make the movie and co-creator Stan Lee was on board by the by March of 94. And it had entered early development by the summer. Uh, Snipes had discussions with several different screenwriters and directors about the project because he was not a director or a writer and he didn't have that kind of pull yet. Um, he talked to Mario Van Peebles and John Singleton and the the movie hadn't progressed two years later. Uh, Stan Lee dropped out of it and everyone said they had just not been pleased by with the scripts that were projected by the uh, for the project and Snipes uh, said that the people they had brought on to direct and, and write it had just they weren't familiar with the comics. They kept thinking of the Black Panther Party. And he said that there was just a lot of confusion as to what he wanted this movie to be about. Um, in uh, July 97, it was uh, 
listed as one of Marvel's, Marvel Comics film slate. Of course, they were going through a lot of shit at the time, um, and there were you know bankruptcy and all that. They actually had hired Ho- Joe uh, Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti uh, to uh, do um, their twist on Black Panther under the Marvel Knights brand. Um, and then, of course, they deny this today, but it's, it was reported back then. And what's this time was set to produce and star in the movie. And then, of course, by the time the Blade movies were going on, that was a no-go. Um... Until March 2002, Snipes again said he planned to film Blade 3 or Black Panther in 2003. It wound up being Blade 3 that he wound up doing. Uh, 2005, uh, stupid A.V. Arid, he announced that Black Panther was one of the ten Marvel films that would be developed by Marvel Studios and distributed by Paramount. Of course, this is back right before they really uh, hit their stride and was bought out by Disney. Um, And then uh, you go through it, go through it, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, uh, what's the time to drops out of it by March 2009? Uh, Marvel writers they had come up with um, uh, th- their strategy to launch lesser known properties, and they considered Black Panther was one of these. Um, in 2011, Marvel Studios hired a documentary filmmaker named Mark Bailey to write the script for Black Panther, and uh, then by 2013, Feige was still talking about it. Like this movie has been in development hell forever. All right. By 2013, Feige actually said, "I don't know when it will be exactly, but we certainly have plans to bring Black Panther to life one day." Uh, and then the Marvel Cinematic Universe had already introduced vibranium comes from Wakanda, so you already had all the setups there. At the end of Iron Man 2, you had a circle in uh, in Africa. You had everything set up. They just kept waiting, kept waiting, kept waiting, and then Civil War started to happen, and they started to try to get different. Uh, directors, and finally we get the movie out um, after they had hired someone else, F. Gary Gary. Yep, we've talked about him before. Uh, who went up directing Fast and Furious Eight instead of doing Black Panther? They went with Ryan Coogler, and um, Coogler got to write and direct it. Uh, he described it as a big geopolitical action adventure that focuses on the family and the royal struggle of T'Challa and Wakanda and what it means to be a king while calling the film a very important link to Infinity War and its sequel. And he added the film will be the first Marvel Studios production to feature a primarily African-American cast. And uh, that was, it was really cool. Um, he actually later on said um, it's... He he enjoyed working with Marvel, which we haven't heard from a lot of directors. He said, it's just as personal to me as the last couple of films I was able to make. I really feel fortunate to be able to work on something that I'm this passionate about again. Um, and they, they, you know, they, they wooed him over. And um, he, he actually, they allowed him to bring in his own people. It wasn't Disney's people from their factories of workers that shot and composed and edited it. Um, he actually brought in his people from Fruitvale Station and Creed to work on this movie. And um, he said, uh, what Marvel's doing is making the content that exists in a particular universe, where the characters tie in and cross over. And I think that's a great creative challenge to me. To make this movie as personal as possible is going to be my most personal movie to date, which is crazy to say, but it's completely the case. I'm obsessed with this character and its story right now, and I think it's going to be very unique and still fit into the overall narrative that they're establishing. I grew up as a comic book fan, and the same things used to happen in the comic books. You'd have Wolverine's book, and then they'd be so much darker, more brutal than the X-Men books, but they'd still fit in when you open the pages of the X-Men book. It's new to movies, but it's not new to storytelling. And that was a very great mindset for Ryan Coogler to have when he first took over this. So Ryan Coogler, that 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 is our long, drawn-out history of the making of Black Panther, but he was such a great choice. Oh, I'm glad they settled on him. I'm, I, and to be honest with you, uh, it, you don't know how happy it makes me to know that Wesley Snipes didn't get his hands on this property i mean yes. don't get me wrong the first blade movie was good i really liked um what was it uh blade trinity with triple h his little yeah, and awesome Ryan cameo reynolds and jessica beale yeah uh the second one not so much but you know it's he he wanted too much control over that character and i think if he would have done this this particular film back at that time um i don't think it would have the impact that it does today True. Um, 
And Ryan Coogler added a lot of different things. He had he was very much involved in everything that was making this movie, a lot like James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, and you can sh- it shows. Like he compared the Wakandan vibranium mines to the real life situation in the Congo, and that uh, mineral coltan, which is used in manufacturing digital product uh, products, but it's only found in the Congo region and it being mined. Um, Gorilla City. Um, which was home to the Jabari tribe, was originally set in the rainforest. Ryan Coogler changed that to the snow-covered mountains because uh, he felt like it was too on the nose. Um, the, 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 each Wakandan tribe actually uh, is a mix of different tribes and um, has their own unique culture and color and everything like that. The Golden Tribe, the Royal Tribe, uses the motif of black and purple and a continental symbol for the sun found throughout Africa. They also have the panther-themed designs. The Border Tribe was inspired by Lesotho architecture and language and uses a motif of blue and wood, and they have rhino-themed weapons, attack rhinos, shields, and horn-shaped blades. The River Tribe uses a motif of shells and green, and they wear crocodile skins and leather. Uh, the mining tribe wear lion-themed designs, and the Jabari tribe wears fur and wood to represent their naturalism to honor the sacred animal, the gorilla. Um, they also speak in a Yoruba dialect of West Af- Africa, in contrast to the Wakandans having the Zosa dialect of the South Africans. And that gives them an outsider status, since they speak a different dialect, which is... Like that's a they they put a lot of detail into everything and they did that wasn't even necessarily easily sought either you had to look at it you knew that there were some different color schemes but you didn't know why and it really all tied together really 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 well yeah uh, Kugler described the film's central theme as responsibility and identity much like a Spider-Man movie he said what do the powerful owe those in need it separates the good guys from the villains what value is strength unless you're using it to help somebody Wakanda presents it pretends to be just another struggling African country, but some of its neighbors are struggling for real. If Wakandans don't stand up for themselves, who will? But if they stand up only for themselves, then who are they? And that's a that's a really cool theme for the movie. Um, actually, Eric Killmonger's body, the the body modification, the sacrification, as they call it, uh, dying tradition that's used to be carried out by a lot of uh, African tribes. Um, He uses that, Killmonger uses that to mark how many people he's killed. Every bump is someone he's killed. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. (laughs) Yeah, that's when I got the nickname Killmonger because of all the kills he racked up. Um, And he's actually based on several different things. He's based on his own self from the comics of Wakandan exile who seeks to overthrow his country, but they also incorporated the envious cousin to Sean, and they actually incorporated parts of the White Wolf, um, a relative of the Black Panther who becomes a villainous extremist and wears a Black Panther-styled habit. So that's yeah. it's actually a combination of all of them, and the White Wolf is completely different. It's just you know the cool new slightly racist nickname for uh, you know the Winter Soldier. Um. Killmonger in that fight scene with Black Panther, the first one, he broke the spear he was holding to make it a handheld weapon. Um, and that's actually uh, a nod to Shaka Zulu. He was one of the biggest military leaders in history. And um, and uh, he said he couldn't understand why Zulus would throw away their spears in battle, so he developed the short stabbing spear. It was called an ikwa, which is derived from the sound that the spear makes as it stabs into the body and the sucking sound <laughs> it makes when it's withdrawn. Like, it's pretty fucking rough. Killmonger. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. All the all of this movie except for the Korean scenes shot in Atlanta, Georgia. And if you uh are from the southeast like we are, and if you grew up in Atlanta like I did, you might have noticed that the High Museum of Art in Atlanta, Georgia was the museum that the heist was taking place. Um Oh snap. Yeah. I I've been there once before by accident. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, also uh, this movie tons of made tons of money. Um, do, do uh, any variations from the movie to the comics that kind of stuff like from comics to movie that you, any big variations that you uh, wanted to bring up? No, not not really. I mean, the biggest one is uh, of course Killmonger. Uh, like you said, he's a the movie version is an amalgamation of several different characters. Um, uh, as far as to T'Challa and T'Chaka, I mean, it's pretty much what you see is what you get. Uh, Shuri, his sister, uh, in the comics, eventually takes on the mantle of Black Panther. Um, this happens a short time, uh, just as um, Storm and T'Challa 
get married. Um, anytime he's away on certain business, Shuri will take the mantle of the Black Panther. Um, and from what I've seen in the comics, she's <laughs> damn badass. Uh, but it, but as far as the the other things, no, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's it very close to the true um, African vibe that was was created when the comic book was created. Um, it state it's true to the roots. Uh, Wakanda is invisible because of a shield. Um, that's where you get vibranium. So this Wakanda is very pivotal to the Marvel universe because there are so many heroes and villains that use vibranium in one way or another in the comics that, um, it's, I don't want to say a focal point, but it's a big thing. Uh, and of course with the different tribes, you know, you have some people who like with everything you got, you got people who are trying to make a profit off the vibranium and selling it to the highest bidder. Then you have T'Challa who is doing his best to um, try to make sure that the vibranium doesn't fall into the wrong hands uh, like it did with Claw. Uh, T'Challa doesn't – he doesn't try to stray too far from Wakanda, but you know he does do a lot of missions with the Avengers, uh, whether it's New York or anywhere else around the world. But he – has close uh, connection and close communication to Wakanda anytime he's out of the country. So, and then you've got his badass uh, royal guard, nothing but women warriors protecting his ass. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, the emperor has his royal guard in, in Star Wars. I, honest to God, I think these chicks can whoop all their asses uh, and not have to use the force at all. I mean, these, <laughs> wow. Michonne, oh, oh. Dude, that's the most badass bodyguard I have ever seen in a movie, in wrestling, and comics, and anything. Yes. Um, that the way that they filmed her and gave her that power, uh, and she did it with pride. It wasn't. Uh, you know, she was never. When it came to the royal family, she was never conflicted. Uh, but you see where her allegiance lies later in the film when Killmonger comes in, and she's torn because she's supposed to be the protector of the king. And she hates this bastard, and she doesn't want to be the protector of the king. Um, and it's just really, uh, you know, they did a lot, a lot of lot of uh, pulling from the comic book for this movie, and I totally love that they did that. Uh, the small changes really aren't even worth, uh, you know, Ulysses Claw in, in in the comic his his hand looks like a satellite dish i'm so happy they didn't go with that the way they did it in this movie where it was like a damn transforming arm that was yeah. amazing amazing yeah. so the different changes the small changes that they made weren't enough to uh really throw the uh a true black panther fans off um and for the what this movie has done um on many different levels is just it blows my mind that it has uh, that a comic book movie uh, has really shown light on a lot of issues going on today. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, I really, I'm, I am super excited and happy with this movie and how they, how it came out. And I didn't know much about the comics, but I just knew the movie was really good. So um, I'm glad to know, it's glad, glad to know that there's not too much that is uh, that's that's different and nothing was changed for the worse, at least. Yeah, when I think of the ultimate. Uh, African-American superhero, I don't think Luke Cage. I, the first person that always comes to mind is Black Panther. And um, it was just, uh, they did it justice. They did the comic justice. And Luke Cage has been around longer than Black Panther. Black Panther didn't debut until um, uh, the 70s, uh, late 60s, early 70s. And uh, Luke Cage was already around. And it was just, Wow. They, they they really surprised me with and the translation from from paper to screen was just it was a home run did he freeze like an antelope in headlights <laughs> are you finished and this is the part of the podcast where we do our top three favorite scenes and of course uh we we normally don't agree on scenes so glenn you go first what are your top three favorite scenes from black panther um Wow, there's a lot of good things that happen in this movie. My first favorite scene would have to be um, 
the first fight that uh, T'Challa has when he gets back to Wakanda. Um, and, you know, they, they strip away the power of the Black Panther. And he's fighting for his people. He's fighting for his throne. Uh, and, of course, he fights um, Duke's character. And it was just amazing. Because um, th- at first you think Mabuk, uh, Mabaku's got the upper hand and he's going to beat T'Challa. And there's no way that he's going to win this. And just out of sheer determination, uh, just the fact that he doesn't want to let his people down, he doesn't want to let his father down, he taps into that true inner strength and is able to lay the smack down on him and uh, send him back to the mountains licking his wounds. Um, and one of my other favorite scenes in the movie is uh, the car scene where she, uh, his sister is driving the virtual car and he's like talking to her, where'd you learn to do this? <laughs> Why are you doing this? You're going to kill me. I'm trying to hang on here. Don't screw this up for me. Um, and it was just awesome. The special effects, uh, the storyline, um, just uh, the way that it was, that chase scene was just phenomenally done is seeing how he does the flips off of that car and it, it doesn't miss a beat. Just, it, it is so, so awesome. Um, and my f- third favorite scene from the film is, uh, Forrest Whitaker as he comes to terms with what happened with Killmonger and Killmonger's father. Um, you can see that pain and yeah. it, it, it brings it, it for him in his storyline. It brings that it full circle. And yes, he pays the ultimate sacrifice, but um, you can tell that he was conflicted on uh, whether he should be a spy for T'Chaka and turn Killmonger's father in and and and, and mess up that friendship and, and that familial tie that he had. Um, that was a very powerful scene, especially, you know, because he was like, I'm sorry. I had to do what I had to do, but I'm sorry. And it was like, you know, why did you leave me behind? All he could say was, I'm sorry. And that was, you know, that was very powerful. I mean, the whole, oh yeah, uh, that whole, because you could tell that he was torn at the first of the movie when that first flashback scene, you could tell that he did not feel comfortable uh, after it was revealed that he was Wakandan. He didn't feel comfortable at all with the whole situation. And um, you, you, the way that he was with T'Challa and, and other scenes that you see him in, um, you could tell that he was haunted by what happened so many years ago. And he does what he can to try to make it right, but it's too little too late. So those are three of my favorite scenes that happened in the film. All right. Well, I have a few. Only one of them is in a dream world. <laughs> Um, my third favorite scene is actually the Air Force VR kind of scene, you know, where, um, uh, Everett Ross is, uh, having to control a ship in this kind of video game simulation that's actually been adjusted for American flight controls by Shuri. Um, it's really neat. It gets this, I mean, you think, oh, well, it's, there's no, there's no stakes because he's in this VR simulation. Well, he, he's going after these ships and one of the ships that doesn't have a bomb anymore, uh, it realizes what's going on in that he's actually controlling it from inside that room. So it goes back. And so while he's chasing this last ship, he looks and it's like, Oh, well the glass in front of me is about to be shattered because this ship has found me really me. And it's trying to kill me while I'm trying to get this last ship that's carrying one of these bombs. It's going to take out one of the, uh, one of the three main cities it's going after. And I thought that was really cool. It really let him have a hero moment. He stayed there until he couldn't stay there anymore. I thought it was really awesome. Um, yeah. uh, number two actually involves Everett Ross again. I don't know why I have him in here so much. Uh, but it's the prison break scene where um, uh, Ulysses Claw is captured. And um, it actually starts right with the capture where Black Panther says, Every breath that you, uh, every breath you take is mercy from me. 
Um, I thought it was a really cool line. It leads into an interrogation where the Wakandans are like, no, let them have his fun, even though they know they can interrogate him much easier and that they're going to take him back to Wakanda. That's just the way it is. And then all of a sudden, Killmonger gets in there, shoots up the place, takes up the place, and gets a claw back. And then Everett Ross is left there bleeding. And Black Panther makes the um, correct, you know, the right choice, even though it's a hard choice, to bring Everett Ross back to Wakanda to save his life. Um, yeah. because he knows they're the only ones that can save him. Uh, and my number one scene is actually the dream sequence. Black Panther, uh, when he first goes under after being crowned the king of Wakanda, uh, when he's talking to his dad, and his dad's like, you're going to do fine as king, and all this other stuff. And he's like, I'm not worried about being king. I don't, I'm just not ready to be without you. Like, that was that was so different than I've ever it's always been in any of those type of moments it's never been about I'm going to miss you it's about the burden that's on me now that you're gone yeah like no matter what I've never seen a movie that took this route where it's like I don't care about the king at all like I just care about not having you that's a total flip from Thor I mean Thor was all about wanting the crown yep and here it is you finally have a hero that's a true hero yep and uh and he said something, his father said something about, I failed as a parent if I've raised a kid to not be able to deal with the passing of their parent, which is, I mean, it's his viewpoint. It's a flawed viewpoint, um, but it's his viewpoint. But, I mean, you see that, you know, that this was the first time that they, they've, there's really been a, a, since Thor, I guess, that you've had to worry about your parent, like the heroes, you know, that, who raised them dying to become who they are. This isn't DC where everyone's parents die and that's how you become a superhero. <laughs> like it's, it's very, this is not the norm in Marvel. So for this to only be the second time we've seen it in 20 movies, just about, and, uh, and, and for it to be carried out so much differently, you know, Loki just wanted the, the, the seat. He just wanted the crown and, and Thor, he, he wanted the crown and for his dad to retire when when their father finally did die or when their mother died. It was just so much anger. Uh, and this is like Black Panther was out of anger. He didn't have the anger anymore. He was just sad. And I thought that was yeah. really, really interesting to do it that way. It is not our way to be judge, jury, and executioner for people who are not our own. Not your own. But didn't life start right here on this continent? So ain't all people your people? I am not king of all people. I am king of Wakanda. And this is the part of the podcast where the uh, web is weaved. I'm just going to get that joke out of there for the last time. The MCU connections. Uh, This is where we connect to this movie and all its references to the rest of the MCU. And anything that happened before and after. Uh, the MCU connections on this one. Um, there's, uh, there's, I've got some little tidbitty notes, and, and Glenn may have more than I do. Um, in one area where the Wakandan glyphs move on translucent walls, one of the walls was, uh, is blue, and uh, there was a four painted on it, and that was on purpose, and it was an homage to the Marvel's first family, the Fantastic Four. Yes. And that is where Black Panther and Ulysses Claw both made their Marvel debuts. So. That was hella cool of Ryan Coogler uh, to do that. Um, at one point, uh, T'Challa, my favorite quote in the movie, T'Challa tells Claw, every breath you take is mercy from me. Uh, this is a line from um, a new Avenger comic where uh, he, Black Panther actually said that to Namor, the submariner, when they were at war. Uh, so yeah. That's, that's a cool quote being lifted. I don't know if I'm going to name the podcast that. I'm either naming the podcast that every breath you take is mercy from me, or what are those? Because of Black Panther's <laughs> fucking sandals. Uh, um, Killmonger, uh, he wears a golden version of T'Challa's Black Panther suit, which makes him resemble a leopard. That's actually um, uh, homage to the leopard that he owned named Prey in the comics. Uh, so yes. that was that's neat. I mean, I liked it that they were different. And I, I liked that Black Panther kept his silver stuff. I'm really glad he didn't go gold. Um, it always feels like the silver upgrade is gold. I'm like, you don't have to go gold. There's no benefit. Most of your elements that are better are silver. I don't understand. Um, it's just fucking Olympics. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so vibranium's been a constant thing since the first Avenger. Uh, in Captain America's first movie. Um, when Steve Rogers uh, has this round shield, Howard Stark clarifies the alloy's name, vibranium, and properties, and says that it is 
all of he got all of it. Uh, well, I'm not sure what little mound they found, but uh, it must have been um, all that they could get that the Wakandans didn't know existed outside of Wakanda. Um, but his uh, shield is actually a mixture of vibranium. Um, in in the comics, anyway, Captain America's shield is a mixture of vibranium and steel uh, and something else that actually um, was accidentally put in there. Um, and uh, then it was called proto-adamantium, which is whatever. It's a mixture. Um, they don't have the rights to adamantium, so it's always just been pure vibranium. Um uh, and I and I found that, and I was like, "This is this is really really confusing." Um, but uh, that that was that was a little bit of the, of like the first settings for Wakanda. Of course, we saw Iron Man. Okay, so Iron Man Two was the first, correct? It was like you saw the little blip on the radar, and that was in Africa. Yes. Then we got vibranium in in uh, First Avenger, yep. and then in Age of Ultron, did they? That he was referencing Age of Ultron, yeah, because yeah. he was trying to read and he was like Wakandan, like he didn't know yeah. what it was. What he they were first discovering, like what is Wakanda? Why does it matter? It's like such a like they stayed hidden under the radar so much that even Mark oh, Bruce Banner didn't know Wakanda was a country. Um, he's got five PhDs, why can't one of them be in geography um, <laughs> or flying? Uh, and then. Um, uh, you go move on to Civil War, and that's where we're introduced to Black Panther. But it's pretty cool how they've sl- this has like been slowly burning for almost ten years to get Black Panther on screen. It's like the slowest burn ever, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved every little nod, and finally getting it. And this movie was totally worth the wait. Oh yeah, and the fact I mean the way they did it just proves what it is in the comic books. Wakanda is a pivotal role in the MCU, whether it's comic book version or the actual theatrical versions of of this thing. So it's very, Wakanda is very important for uh, everything that happens because you got awesome technology. You've got people that are way smarter than people that we've got. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the, the web does weave greatly. Yeah, speaking From of Wakanda. <laughs> speaking of being um, really smart, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, holograms are nothing new. Asgard uses them, Guardians of the Galaxy uses them, Iron Man uses them. Dan Wakandans use a display full of nanites, millions of little metal bits that form different shapes. Uh, they're like the only ones that do that. I thought like, that's really cool. That's really different. Um, that's really smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it's not smart. SoundCloud. We don't use SoundCloud anymore, but Cloud, uh, Claw does. Um, he actually said that, you know, um, I'll send you a link to my SoundCloud. Um, and that's actually, um, he he actually uses vibranium to gain the power of manipulating sound. So the SoundCloud thing was actually supposed to be a reference to that, which is, uh, yeah, it's a little, it's, that's a weak web to stretch over there, but I'm getting it in that little, little corner. And, uh, you know, going after SoundCloud at the same time, I don't like it. Um, Casa Film is a better hosting site. Uh, Wakabi, uh, at one point, tells Killmonger the war dogs in New York, London, and Hong Kong are ready to execute his orders. Well, if you remember, New York, London, and Hong Kong are where the different sanctums are from Doctor Strange. Indeed. Ooh, interesting. Um... Of course, we know Bucky is given the title of White Wolf in this movie. In the comics, White Wolf was a man who was adopted and raised in Wakanda. But instead, now Bucky is called that because he accepted he's accepted by some of the Wakandan citizens, which is neat. Um, yeah. uh, Everett Ross uh, gets seriously, in, seriously injured and taken to Wakanda. And uh, when Shuri says, another broken white boy, that was in reference to Bucky as well. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh... Uh, M'Baku is known in the comics as Manape, but they decided yes. to leave that title out of this movie because it was a little bit insulting, derogatory. Um, uh, but also because he is a hero in this movie, not really a villain like he used to be. Um, uh, also, uh, if you noticed, Killmonger's armor at the end of this movie, um, it's Vegeta uh, armor. And Michael B. Jordan is a huge anime nerd, and he loves Dragon Ball Z. And Vegeta 
is the uh, inspiration for that armor. If you go look it up, type in Killmonger Vegeta, and you'll see it's exactly it. He just cosplayed as Vegeta. That's all he did. That's hilarious. Yeah, so not only is he the king of, of Wakanda, he is Saiyan royalty. Wow. Um, yes, crazy. Crazy. Um, but, uh, have anything else? I don't know if I have anything else. Did you catch anything else, Glenn, in the MCU connections? No, I think that's pretty much it. The biggest one that I had was the, the, the very sly Fantastic Four reference. I thought that was amazing. Um, I hope, God, I hope we get to see that sooner than later. Oh, so awesome. Um, yeah, you know, with the vibranium and, and everything, you know, that's just weaves all the way through, um, the MCU and everything goes back to Wakanda in some form or fashion. Um, even in, uh, age of Ultron, you know, where they see claw with those ships that are, um, have been beached. Um, that's not far from Wakanda. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I just love the way that they did this movie. Um, I was very apprehensive at first, but, um, and it sucks that this didn't come out while we were doing the, you know, the road to infinity, but this really was probably my favorite comic to film adaptation. Uh, the, the, the changes that they made were minor and it stuck true to the core of it. And it gave us those, you know what? The other Easter egg that I really enjoyed was the back to the future shoes reference. Yeah. Yeah. That, I forgot that, about that was one. amazing. That was neat. Um, but as we always do, when we talk about our connections to the MCU, we talk about the cameos post credit all that stuff. Stan Lee's cameo, uh, in the gambling scene in, uh, South Korea, uh, he was a gambler, and he was like, I'll just hang on to these over here. Just hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. The, you know, it's probably my, it's in my top five of Stanley Cameos, which is probably, we probably need to do a, a ranking podcast of Stanley Cameos once we hit 20. Um, yeah. And, uh, which will be, well, once Infinity War Part 2 comes out, whatever they call that. Uh, because I really think the Stanley from Infinity War, that, that one uh, ranks up pretty high. But this one's hilarious. For comedy's sake, this is hilarious. Because just to see him in that in that setting, like, I'm just going to hang on to these over here. Like, okay, of course. He's going to hang on to all the money over there. Um, that's That was funny. Um, the post-credit scenes were very interesting and huge, huge post-credit scenes. Uh, of course... Um, Black Panther decided he was going to show the world what Wakanda is. And one of the post-credit scenes was him talking to the United Nations, talking about how he's going to share everything they know with the rest of the world. And then when some little, little pissant country said, uh, um, what can a country of farmers offer the rest of the world? I'm glad they didn't make it America saying that. Oh God. Um, <laughs> God, just make us even worse. Uh, but, um, uh, uh, of course he's, he smiles cause it's like, Come on, you guys still use holograms, you bitches. Um, anyway, that that was a really cool scene that it lets you know, okay, they are opening up to the world. But then White Wolf, White yes. Wolf, in that final scene, and you see Bucky's pretty much fine. He's okay. He's ready to go. Infinity War is here, and he's ready to fight. And this is gonna be awesome. What's up? I never yielded, and as you can see, I am not dead. All that challenge shit is over with. I'm the king now. All right. So now we are going to go into our ranking. Now, this wasn't in order because we had already ranked everything before this. So we're going to insert this movie in, and we'll tell you the couple movies above it and below it to get you a range of, of our ranking system and how we ranked things. Of course, if you if you listen to all of them, you kind of heard them out of order. And when we talk about Infinity War, we'll talk about our rankings total, like just in a row. But, um, Glenn, where would... Where, if you had to rank Black Panther, where would you rank it? In the 18 Marvel movies at this point, before Infinity War, just from Captain, from Iron Man 1 to Black Panther, where does Black Panther rank out of 18? See, my number one and two was Iron Man and Ragnarok. And honestly, if I had to rank this, if it would have been out in time, this would have been my number one. What? Yeah. So what's your number two and three, just to give people an idea? Uh, number two 
was uh, Ragnarok, and number three, three was Iron Man, right? One was Iron Man. Okay, so so now your yeah. number two and three is number one Black Panther, two Iron Man, and three Ragnarok. Three Ragnarok, yeah. Okay, okay, so that's your new ranking. Your number one is yeah. Black Panther. Yeah. All right. That is this, this this movie had everything, everything, and it was a, in my opinion, it was the truest adaptation from a comic to film. Oh my God, Glenn loves Black Panther, y'all. He's a white <laughs> Texan. Uh, he loves Black Panther. Um, so I love Black Panther as well. And the hard thing about these movies is that I literally would give a gold star, Iron Man, except for Iron Man two, uh, to all of these movies. And, um, and even Iron Man two, I would watch that over any DC movie. Um, and just if I had to keep it in action movies, like these things get gold breakings all day long, just an action movie, superhero movie kind of class. But, uh, if I had to rank it, it would rank 12th for me out of 18. Now, it is just below my... Here, let me give you 10 through 14. Number 10, Doctor Strange. Number 11, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number 12, Black Panther. Number 13, Iron Man 3. And number 14, Avengers 2. And people know how much I love all those movies. Iron Man 3 is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Iron Man. Like, Avengers 2 is great because it is it is a storytelling version of Avengers. Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the funnest damn movies you'll ever see. And Doctor Strange is the most unique superhero movie that still exists nothing has ever, can even touch that as far as how unique it is i mean it's on a different fucking plane of existence uh yep. so for for black panther to just rank under the most unique and the funnest to me and just above everyone knows how much i love kiss kiss bang bang i make every uh, every one of my friends who hasn't seen it, i make them borrow it and watch it uh and avengers 2 which is very much a, a real joss whedon avengers like i love all those movies black panther 12 right there in between all of them no knock on it. It is fantastic. It's a great movie. I love all these movies. But that is just where I would rank it for my movies. Uh, if you hate me, you can find me on all social media individually at SYCO1316. And Glenn? I am at Joker ha 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 79. You can find us collectively at Take the Studios. Of course, if you like this podcast and you've made it all to the end, you should get some kind of prize. Unfortunately, I can't give you monetary uh, prizes, but I can tell you there are other podcasts that are done possibly even better that are in the same family, the road to infinity challenge. Uh, so go ahead, check those out. If you like wrestling, we have podcasts for wrestling. If you like other movies, we have chilling with Netflix. If you like gaming stuff, we have podcasts for that. Also, if you love gaming, youtube.com slash the studios, we have gaming videos for charity. And uh, of course, if you find us on all social medias, I think I've already said this at take the studios. Thank you for listening. Please share us. Subscribe to us. Comment if you hated it or give that little heart notion. Unless you're on SoundCloud because we hate SoundCloud now. Um, <laughs> yep. Bye.
Let's talk about love. Is it anything and everything you hope for? I do the feeling you want you. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. This may be the night that my dreams might let me know. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. Skin covered with ego. Get to talking like an infant, like a rebound. No control, no switch in the way that you're bringing me down it's a turn on get away from me no you mean wrong keep away from me and it's all wrong get away from me i i i just cry for no reason i just pray for no reason i just think for the life for the day for the hours in another life breathing How did it all go to feel good? You can live it all if you feel bad. Better live your life. We were running out of time. Let's talk about love. Is it anything and everything you hope for? I do the feeling you want you. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. This may be the night that my dreams might let me.